Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Yeah. All right. Well, Paula, let's turn uh, our attention to to a uh, more serious matter. We've talked about this case before, the case of this four-year-old girl, Serenity, uh, and what we've learned about what she went through in care, the fact that she died horribly and tragically at the age of just four. Uh, and again, I mean, kudos to you and your newspaper for bringing this story to light. And I think it's important to, to understand that were it not for, in this case, the media, we wouldn't even know about this. But what more now are we starting to learn about what, what this girl went through? Well, you know, I, I've stayed in touch with Serenity's mom, and, and, and I've never identified her because we're uh, precluded from identifying Serenity's surviving siblings, uh, her, her older half-brother and sister. So I'm always very careful not to identify the mom. But the mom and I have stayed in touch since uh, she first brought me uh, Serenity's medical records in, in November, and I first broke this story. And last week... Um, she sent me a message and she said, I have some new pictures. And what had happened was she'd taken some pictures of Serenity in the hospital when the little girl was on life support and the mum had been flown in from British Columbia to where she'd been going to university to see her daughter. And she took pictures at the time and she said to me she was really in shock, but some part of her brain knew that if she didn't take pictures, she'd be sorry later, that she, she needed to record this in case it was ever needed as evidence. And then the cell phone broke, as cell phones do, uh, but she carried it with her because she knew that the pictures were on there. And last week, um, she finally took it to a phone repair place and said, I think there's some photos on here. Can you see if you can get them off? And she said she was just blindsided when she saw the photographs because she'd forgotten or she was in shock when she took them. And when she saw them again, um, and how hard it was to look at those pictures of, of her daughter, who was just, you know, painfully thin, covered in bruises. Uh, and she said to me, I don't know what to do with these pictures, but do, do you think we could somehow get them where people could see them? And, you know, I thought about this because, you know, the, the sad fact is there isn't a lot of news to report because, um, you know, this case... The RCMP have completed their investigation belatedly. Uh, they've given the file over to the Crown. And so it wasn't so much that I had a lot of new information. I could provide a little bit of update, a little bit of context. But it was really looking at those photographs was just, for me, like being punched in the gut. And I thought, you know, a lot of things have happened since I wrote those first stories. Uh, the minister had to step aside. A new Ministry of Children's Services was created. They set up this all-party panel to investigate the death review system and the child welfare system as a whole. But not much has happened in terms of justice for serenity. Yeah. No one has been held any more accountable for what happened to her. The, you know, No one's been charged criminally. Nobody, so far as we know, has been disciplined within the child welfare system. And I thought... 
when I saw those photos, I thought, you know, it is time to remind people that this isn't just a story about politics. This isn't just a story about, you know, a new minister or a, an all-party committee. This is a story about a little girl and somebody killed her. Right. Um, regarding the, the photos, by the way, Paula, um, I mean, was there any hesitation about publishing them? Oh, yes. Um, my editors and I spent days, you know, looking at the photos, debating this, trying to decide were the photos too upsetting for people to see? Was it exploitative? Were we being ghoulish by, you know, taking photos that are now two and a half years old and, and publishing them? And I have to say, when we, when we published the story live to our website last night at 6 o'clock, um, I, I braced myself. I, you know, I, I sat in my chair and just waited for people to say to me, how could you do this? This is disgusting. You're taking advantage of this family in their, in their time of weakness. Uh, I didn't hear that from anybody. Uh, I've had an overwhelming response, and all of it has been from people, uh, including extended members of of this little girl's family, saying thank you for publishing these photographs. Thank you for this reminder. And, you know, I I said to, to my editor today, you know, back before the Edmonton Journal Calgary Herald Fatal Care series, we wouldn't have been allowed to run her photographs or publish her first name. Uh, And now we are. And it makes such a difference because I think, Rob, when people see those photos, they have a very human reaction that isn't just about public policy. You know, you can't you can't just say, oh well, that's the child welfare system, or oh well, you know, that's that's what you, you know that's what you get when you're you know dealing with uh, you know four generations of of displacement from the residential school system. This is this little girl. I mean, you look at those pictures, and you know anybody who's ever you know, nursed a sick child, anybody who's ever been at an elderly parent's bedside, anybody who's ever visited somebody, you know, in hospital with all those tubes, and you look at those pictures and you think, somebody did this to this child. You look at the bruising on her body and you think, what kind of person does this to a four-year-old? And then you think, what kind of system allows this, first of all, to happen, and second of all, for there to be no consequences? You know, and it's in a different way, just, you know, and I'm looking at this right now online, and as you say, the, the pictures of the bruising, it's really disturbing. When you, when you scroll down and you get to the picture of this, this happy little kid mm-hmm. on her tricycle, it's just, it's almost in a way more of a punch in the gut. Well, right? yes, I did that on purpose. Um, you know, I mean, there's, when you write something like this, it's a very strange mindset because part of you is being, you know, part of you is empathetic, part of you is connecting emotionally with the power of, of this mother's story and, and these girls' pictures. And part of me is thinking, uh, you know, in a very analytical way, how do I communicate this story? And I said to my editors, it's really important, both in the paper and online, that we include a picture of what Serenity looked like before she was put in this home. Because people need to understand that she was a happy, healthy, child of normal body weight and that she was thriving in the foster home where she was living. The foster parents uh, uh, said that, you know, the mom was coming and making regular visits. The family was doing really well. The mom was on her way to getting the kids back. And then the kids were ripped from the foster homes where they were thriving, put in to this other horrible place. And 
and the mother was, you know, was told that she wasn't even allowed to see them anymore. It's just, it's, it's a mockery of everything the child welfare system is supposed to be. And I want people to remember serenity not just as the victim, but for what she could have been. When you look at the pictures of her, happy, healthy, full of joy, full of mischief, and you think, you know, she should be, she should be finishing grade one right now. She should be learning to read. She should be excited about all the things that happened at school today. And those are all the opportunities, all of the joys that she's never going to get to have and that her family is never going to have with her. Right. So there's a couple of outcomes here, right? There's the the narrow, will there be justice for her? Will someone ever be held accountable for her death? Will someone ever be charged? Is the broader question of whether... Uh, some positives will come of this, whether there'll be some change in, in the system. Now, maybe both will happen in a perfect world, but, it, I mean, is, is one more important than the other? Well, you know, I, in the big picture, I suppose one could argue, you know, in a Vulcan, Mr. Spock kind of way, that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, and that, it, you know, that the, the, the better victory is if we make systemic changes to the child welfare system that save other children from this kind of tragedy. But I don't think that I'm comfortable with that trade-off because at the end of the day, people did this to this child and there needs to be justice, not just for her, but I think we have to ask other questions. What other children have those people uh, been associated with? What other children might become their future victims. I mean, how can we just say, oh, well, you know, um, we're going to let this one go because, you know, f- for for the greater good, we'll, we'll, we'll have some learnings from this. I mean, at the end of the day, real human beings made the decisions that put this child in jeopardy. You know, should should the care workers who didn't do the proper background check on, on the family where these kids were moved, should they be allowed to continue working? Uh, should the people who, you know, who apparently, um, based on the physical evidence, there's certainly evidence to suggest sexual as well as physical abuse, do we not want to know how that might have happened? Are we not curious to know whether there might be other victims out there? I mean, I, I just... For the life of me, I will never understand the way the RCMP handled this file because, you know, uh, Serenity died at the Stollery Children's Hospital. The Edmonton Police Service was involved initially with the Zebra Child Protection uh, Center coming into play to help the, the older siblings who'd survived. But, you know, what were the RCMP doing? I mean, I know that there were delays in the medical examiner's office that delayed the autopsy report by two years. I know that there were delays in children's services who just neglected or declined to hand over their internal files to the RCMP. But what were the RCMP doing for two years? I mean, there's certainly, uh, you'd think, a prima facie case for someone to be charged criminally for what happened to this little girl. Which could still happen. Well, it still could happen. And, you know, I, I was a little distraught yesterday because people started writing to me and saying, well, let's, let's petition the justice minister. Let's write. Let's make sure that charges get laid. And I had to say to people, you know, that is not actually how our justice system works. Right. You don't want to politicize the role of the crown prosecutor. I don't want uh, Kathleen Ganley, the justice minister, getting on the horn to the uh, crown prosecution service today and saying, oh, that Paula Simon, she's making trouble for us again. You'd better lay charges. I mean, that is not how the system is supposed to operate. So I, I don't mean for this column to, 
put, you know, that kind of political pressure on the Crown Prosecution Service. I want to make sure that if charges are laid, that they're right charges, and that they're charges that will stick. I don't want them to rush the prosecution because of public outcry. But on the other hand, I think it's fair to say um, that it's also good that everybody know that, that Alberta is watching this story, that, that all of us are not going to let this drop. Well, and that's important, right? And, you know, it must be a, a, a kind of a surreal feeling for you because you, you were nominated for a National Newspaper Award for your work on this, and it's the yeah. kind of thing that typically, you know, you want to be proud of. And you want to say, you know, this is such a great feeling. But when it's something like this, a story you wish never existed in the first place, right, it's, I, know, I don't know, I you were struggling with this, it seems. The day, the day I was nominated, I phoned Serenity's mom, and I said, look, I, you know, I want you to know that, that this happened, or I guess I didn't phone her, I, I emailed her. We talked, we talked later, and I said, you know, I want you to know this happened, and, uh, uh, and I said to her on the phone later, you know, oh, I've been nominated for National Newspaper Awards in the past. I was nominated once for a, a series of stories I did when Ralph Klein plagiarized uh, his term paper and then tried to get universities to kind of uh, hush it up, and I, I was nominated once, you know, when the the Energy and Utility Board was spying on farmers who didn't want power lines. Uh, you know, so I've, I've won, I've been nominated at times in the past where I felt really proud of myself and really happy and, you know, celebratory. Mm-hmm. In this case, it is a kind of a queasy feeling because, you know, uh, am I celebrating um, on, on the back of a child who suffered unspeakable uh, violations and, and, and physical abuse. I mean, it's, it's not the sort of thing that I feel like popping open a bottle of champagne, but I am happy that people outside of Alberta may pay more attention to this story because of this, because, you know, I mean, I had, uh, I think it was Charles Adler, the radio host, who said that uh, if this had happened in Toronto, it would be a national story. But because it happened in Edmonton, uh, you know, it doesn't make national headlines. And I think it is important um, to see the story recognized nationally. Uh, you know, I've, I've had my awards, I've had my kudos, but uh, I, just want, I just want people to understand uh, that, that these kids are not disposable. No, right? That's it's unfortunate it needs to be said, but that's how it comes across sometimes, the way the system deals with these things. Well, and, and you know, I mean, Alberta has its own problems, but... Th- these are, there are issues in the child welfare system from B.C. to New Brunswick, right? I mean, th- in, there, are, there are parallel stories in almost every Canadian jurisdiction. So I'd like to hope, too, that, you know, if there are things that the Alberta child welfare system learns from this experience, that, you know, that those may be things that benefit kids from coast to coast. I worry sometimes that our child welfare systems are very disconnected one from another I mean, we saw this in the terrible case in calgary of the boy um who's you know whose parents were starving him in bc and he right. was on, you know had, had lots of child welfare intervention in british columbia they moved to alberta went off the grid and you know there was never any follow-up so we definitely need for our child welfare systems to have uh, better systems of communication and you know better sharing of I was going to say best practices, it's such a cliche, but they do need to learn one from another. And if this nomination helps with that, then I'm I'm pleased for that too. Yeah, well said. Uh, EdmontonJournal.com. Paula, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Thanks. Take care. All right, you too. Paula Simons, uh, look again, and I mean, she's done amazing work on this. And so it underscores the, the importance of this kind of reporting. This is information that 
were not for this kind of digging, we wouldn't know about it. Obviously, the government doesn't want us to know about it. And otherwise, we, we wouldn't. And we do. And obviously, and hopefully, I mean, it's already led to some change, and hopefully it turns out to be positive change. But it really is a tragedy at so many levels. 403-974-8255. We're back after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.